0: And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer.
1: Hello there, everybody. Welcome to another live episode of Dream Business Radio. It is 3.03. (laughs) Tony, now you're going to understand why sometimes technical difficulties, I don't know, the, the line didn't go all the way under the Atlantic Ocean because... Is it the Atlantic? Or I don't know. I don't know my geography. I don't know know. (laughs) But my my friend Antonio is coming to us from Italy. That's right. Correct, Tony? No, France today. Oh, France. You are all over the place. But when we when we first met a couple months ago, you said, Well, I'm not from the states, so I don't celebrate Thanksgiving. He said, You're the guest for the day before Thanksgiving. (laughs) Oh goodness.
2: I'm constantly moving around, but today I'm in France, and uh, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving, but I've been in America, and I had a business in America for
1: so long now that we kind of do, but Uh, no, but yes. yes. All right. Well, we finally made it happen, so sorry if you've been waiting for three minutes for this amazing show, which I know you always are, (laughs) but anyway, I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I'm the founder of the incredible Dream Business mastermind and coaching program, creator of no-hassle newsletters, but most importantly today, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, I'm the host of Dream Business Radio. This is a weekly podcast created to help you grow your dream business. This is episode 581. And as as you now know, my special guest is Antonio Garrido, and he comes all the way from France today. <laughs> so, Tony, I am thrilled to have you on my program. Uh- Jim, I'm so
2: delighted to be here. You've had 581 uh episodes that have all started bang on time well 580 and today's the first one that's three minutes late i do apologize
1: sir. oh contrary, they don't all start on time oh, but, well, here but we are. i'm always here on time but no that's that's how rude of me to poke fun at my <laughs> guests anyway okay. um let me properly introduce uh Antonio. wait oh. i forget because we met like a couple months ago antonio mm-hmm. or tony what how do you want me to refer to you uh tonio will be or fine. mr well, or, or mr Garrido. Sir, Mr. Garrido. Okay, Antonio. (laughs) Uh, We're going to have a little fun here on this uh, pre-Thanksgiving on this side of the pond. Anyway, Antonio Garrido is the author of a wonderful book called My Daily Leadership. A powerful roadmap for leadership success. He's also the founder and president of My Daily Leadership, a leadership development organization with a mission to inspire 1 million of the world's best leaders to reach their full potential. Antonio has over 25 years in senior leadership positions with world class businesses. He's an expert in leadership transformation, shaping high performance leaders out of highly stressed and overworked leaders. Antonio blends his own vast commercial experience with proven techniques to embed a unique brand of leadership development. He is a serial entrepreneur like myself. He's a successful business coach like myself. He's a charismatic speaker, unlike myself, (laughs) and leader from from many small business startups right up to Fortune 60 companies. So, Antonio, once again, welcome to Dream Business Radio, my friend. Thank you, Jim. What an intro. I can't wait to hear what I'm going what to it, say. Man, you got a lot to live up to. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, so folks, you know, I told you, I, I, I've been pitched almost 180 times this year. And there's, what, six more weeks to be on my show, which is a weekly show. So I really get to pick and choose. And, you know, I love marketing. I love branding. I love mindset. And one of the, I think one of the topics I often get pitched on is leadership. So no offense to my guests, but I'm like, eh, leadership another other, but I looked at Antonio, I looked at what he's done, his career. And I looked at the book and I said, I got to get you on. So we had a good conversation almost two months ago. Um, yeah. Antonio, I want to ask you um, a little bit about your background first. Like One of the things I I hear from my uh, listeners of over 10 years is that they love the backstory. Of course, they love their, if there's a struggle, I was very, very poor. Then I discovered the secret. Now I'm very, very rich. (laughs) Not quite like that. (laughs) But there's always a journey involved with, with achieving the success that you have. Tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey, if you would. Well, thank you for that. I'll start, you know, I'll
2: try and keep it, uh, as succinct as possible. But I think I had to start with my dad, which I know that wasn't the question that you asked me, but my dad was, uh, you know, from the name Antonio Garrido, right? Or Garrido. Um, It's not, you know, it's not a normal (laughs) Idaho name. Uh, So there you go. He's Spanish. My father's Spanish. My mother was Greek. But my father came from an incredibly, uh, incredibly humble and meager and poor background where Uh, He was a shepherd in rural Spain, incredibly, he he couldn't read or write. He never went to school, didn't, you know, kind of didn't know anything, but was Mm -hmm. incredibly intelligent. Anyway, what's all that got to do with the price of fish? Because um, (laughs) he was always very insistent that his kids, by the time he kind of got to the UK and kind of reached... "Quote unquote civilization," he was insistent that his kids would, you know, be educated, go to university, learn something, you know, uh, useful in his view. Having said that, although he never went to school and he couldn't read and write and all that kind of stuff, he successfully started five businesses. Right? Oh my, my goodness! Whole family all have their own businesses. So one of the things that he used to tell me all the time. When I found myself working for, you know, leading you know, huge companies with uh, thousands of employees and billions in revenue, I, I didn't start there, by the way. When I, mm-hmm. I worked up there, maybe we'll talk about the genesis of that. But we would have this running shtick. He and I, he would say, "How was your day?" And I'd say, "Terrible, I've been fired." And he would say, "Terrific, right?" <laughs> we have kind of had this thing going on forever. And he said. Um, and I remember this from you know tiny all the way through to you know university and beyond. Uh, one of the one of the expressions that he had, and he had many. Uh, one of his favorites was, "It's better to be the head of a mouse than the tail of a lion." And what he meant by that was, you know, start your own business, be an entrepreneur, start something, mm. right, make wealth, grow people, grow businesses, and it was kind of. It was in his blood and kind of stamped on my DNA. Anyway, when I first came out of university, I flew in the face of all of that because I was an architect, right? I was always, I didn't want to do any of that stuff. I just kind of wanted to be an architect. For the bizarre and vain and foolish belief that all I would do would be design cathedrals and museums and <laughs> hotels and huge huge great you know monoliths and you know leave my indelible mark on on the face of the earth for the rest of eternity what ended up happening i was doing lots of kitchen extensions
1: for mrs miggins and so on right Ah, mrs higgins kitchen i was wondering who did that
2: (laughs) so i was kind of you know i came out of university wanting to be an architect i i I, I, I'm being slightly disingenuous because I did design a couple of buildings that wouldn't have won. But anyway, that notwithstanding, uh, what then happened was I I, I I was recruited by an individual. Well, I was recruited by an organization, but the leader of that business saw something in me. It may be that he saw that I was a fairly dreadful architect, but but he saw something in me that he kept encouraging me to learn about leadership, learn about mm. management, learn about business growth, learn about, you know, he, he said, i had been working for him for a couple of years. And he said, he wanted me to go back to university to do an MBA in strategic business management, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So, um, so now I look back, I was thinking, was he telling me I was a poor architect? But, but what he actually was, was, one of the most inspirational, phenomenal leaders I worked for by look them by design. And um, I learned so much from him and he kept giving me, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger divisions and then organizations and then kind of countries to run and, you know, for, for the organization. So, so he was my, I guess, my start into leadership. And then
1: Again, more by look so inside. Tony, I need I'm gonna interrupt you just real quick. I just need to let you know I have about 12 questions to ask you in this oh, half hour format. Okay, so, oh, right. I'm kidding you. Right, here we go. Holy semi.
2: So I found myself working for genuinely, I would genuinely now, I can say it quite categorically, world class leaders, right? Very inspirational very well developed, high emotional intelligence leaders. And to the extent that I eventually, uh, my wife and I decided, for reasons that we don't have time to talk about, to go to Miami and start a business. So we Mm -hmm. went to Miami, started our own business, grew that into the third biggest kind of sales and business development company in the world. And then I wrote a couple of books for them, then I wrote this book, and then we started another business, and that's how we are here today, Jim, Normally that takes me about 45 minutes to answer
1: that question. There
2: you go. I hope that I hope that was useful.
1: No, what was it? Well, it is very useful because I heard in in that 42 minute eloquent answer you just <laughs> I, yeah, I heard I that you you first of all humble beginnings and your dad. And one of the things I definitely picked up on was your dad encouraged you to pursue entrepreneurship. So many, you know, so many people that I've interviewed, it's like, no, go to university or or college, whatever, and become a CPA. Some people become attorneys, some people do other things. And then the entrepreneurial bug kind of bites them later in their life. But you had that seed planted. And the other thing I picked up on was very early in, in your career, someone, somebody was encouraging you to pursue leadership, which... Ended up being a big part of your life, maybe a little bit further down the road and now the book and everything else. In doing my research for the interview, I, I read somewhere, I think it was in one of your blog posts, that developing a leader's number one resource is called action bias. In, in, in two or three minutes, what is action bias? Wait, two, three, yeah, I heard that. Two, three you like minutes. my little
2: prompt? Oh, yeah, good. Okay, I heard that. Um, you know, there is nothing in this world, I think, has over as uh, uh, over-rewarded as planning and under-rewarded as doing. Right. We can all kind of create a plan for something, right? How do I lose 20 pounds by in six weeks for the wedding? How do I do this? How do I do that? You ask 100 people, they give you 100 different plans and they're all really, really good plans. What's the difference between those that succeed and those that don't? Is Those that succeed actually do something. Right. You actually you can't think mm-hmm. way to greatness. So one of the things that we talk about all of the time when we're coaching our leaders and when we're kind of encouraging uh, businesses to grow and so on, is just make an imperfect start. Start and course correct on the way. When I was learning how to fly. Right. Uh, a million years ago, um, they you know, if you were kind of taking off from one airport and going to another airport, you don't just take off and go on a bearing of, you know, heading of two, seven, three and land two hours later and hope you're in the end, right? Yeah. You course correct along the way a thousand times, right? And you're perfectly okay with that. You have a plan, which is the flight plan or the business plan, and you just make an imperfect start knowing you're going to have to course correct. So many people are frozen, you know, analysis, paralysis, and all that kind of stuff. And we just say, look, make an imperfect start, but start, right? Inertia will catch you up, course correct, learn along the way. Every, you fail, that's fine like mario andretti if you're not terrified going around the corners you're not going fast enough right so it's yeah. like make sure you're making sensible decisions and decisions based on kind of tools and models and so on but uh, just make a start make a start and go for it so many people are waiting for the perfect moment for the perfect opportunity for the perfect environment for the perfect economy for the perfect it's never going to happen make a
1: start action bias Awesome. Um, I don't, I almost hesitate to say this, but something switched up on your audio, like your audio got louder and I can now hear myself in an echo, but we're going to, we're going to pull through. I don't know if you're on an external mic and it got unplugged or something, but, um, let's talk about, um, the six C's of alignment from conversion to collaboration.
2: Well, from conversation, here's the thing, right? Um, and, and if you want to do some extra reading around this, there's a, a tremendous article, I think it was in Forbes, um, and it was just Google the man who saved Lego, <laughs> right? So Lego, everybody loves Lego, right? But Lego yeah. was an organization that was under terrible stress, and it was probably months from collapse. Nobody kind of realizes that, right? We think Lego has been going for like, I don't know, 80, years, something like that. And it's a tremendous business. Well, it is a tremendous business now, but there was a chap that saved Lego. And he had this belief that collaboration is is what it's all about, right? And he introduced this principle of collaboration into an organization. Here's what happens. Most businesses, everyone gets on, you know, they can have a conversation with each other and they communicate. How are you today? What's going on, right? That's kind of the first C, communication. Well, communication will get you so far. What we then need to do is the business is growing in, let's say, sophistication. The the, the task is growing in importance, right? We've gotta go from communication to coordination. You do this, now do that, and we have lots of managers coordinating things. That's okay, but that's only gonna take you so far. And as you move up and up and up and up till you get to uh, cooperation, where you get to consensus but but the pinnacle of all these things is collaboration those companies that can engender a culture of collaboration where they share resources they share goals i was talking to another client about just this week and we were talking about ebitda so many companies you know focus on the kpis on the key performance indicators the, whatever the metrics are that they're looking after mm-hmm. ebitda for example and 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 i speaking to the CEO just this week and I said, look, if you don't think that EBITDA is a collaborative goal, you're crazy. If you just think it's a cooperative goal, where everyone just kind of cooperates to get on with things, you're crazy. So we talk about collaboration so importantly, where everybody asks, how can I help? Where everybody means it, where collaboration is actually an agenda item in the board meetings and in the weekly management meetings and so on. How are we collaborating? If you can, if you know your audience and listeners if they're paying attention, if you can figure out how to make your organization collaborative, then you'll then you are absolutely crack it because it means sharing resources as well as targets.
1: Which is clearly a, one of the main things you need to do as the leader, right? You need to possibly even introduce this the topic of collaboration. So many people are just, you know, kind of whack-a-mole, they're putting their head down, looking looking out for themselves.
2: Yeah, and if it's not in your core values, remember every leader, every organization should hire and fire and promote to core values. If it's not part of your core values, figure out how to make collaborations part of your core values and you'll see your
1: company fly. You really. Yeah. I forget who said it, but um, uh, let me think about it. Well, actually, Ronald uh, President Ronald Reagan years ago had a saying on his desk, it's amazing what you – I don't know if it was Winston Churchill, but it's amazing what you can accomplish when it doesn't matter who gets the credit, I which I that. think speaks to collaboration, right? It so,
2: it really does. Uh, I, I, do you want to give you an example of collaboration? Or should sure. Yes. Go ahead. So, I was working for an organization, and the CEO said to me, to, to the you know the, the the board that we have to get more collaborative. And and over about an eighteen month period, I saw the whole company evolve it like took a a step change in 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 growth and uh, success when it kind of embraced this principle of collaboration and here's the first time i saw it i told this story a million times and i have i have now seen it happen a million more times we were working for the company company was struggling a little down marketing was struggling the business was behind things were a bit tricky the logistics director in the middle of a board meeting said, do you know what? We're a little bit quiet at the moment because sales are down, right? Because we've got our targets and all that, I get it. Um, he says, I kind of got about eight eight guys at the moment who are nowhere near as loaded as they normally are. Oh, loaded for logistics, right? Loading vans. They're no, not okay. <laughs> the busy as they normally are. And he said to the sales uh VP of sales, CRO. Let me give you eight of my guys. What could you do with eight of my guys for six months? Right. If I gave you eight heads, Interesting. how could you utilize them? This is a guy who's giving resources outside of his own, but you know, everyone had their own budget line and all of that kind of stuff. And he said, let me give you eight guys for six months. How would you, how could you utilize them? And that, at that I, I was there at the board table when I saw all the light bulbs go off and then there was a million of those
1: thereafter and the company
2: just. Took That's off. a great
1: story. You yeah. know, um, I read somewhere, I think it was in your book about leadership journaling. What do you, I mean, is that just journaling, journaling, or is there a specific way to do that as a, as well, a leader? No,
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing that we want uh, all of our leaders to, you know, grow and develop and improve and all of that kind of stuff including i think we just mentioned earlier very very slightly um you know emotional intelligence and all of those kind of things well those things don't happen by magic or by osmosis right you'll see a leader and you'll say how long you been a leader and they'll say you know fifteen years or um And then you dig into it, and what you actually discover is they kind of learned and grew grew for the first two years, and then they did rinse and repeat, you know, six or seven times, right? And they they plateaued and stopped growing. Um, I had another boss that said to me, The only advantage you have today over yesterday is what you've learned, because otherwise you're just a day closer to dead. And it's a bit grisly, I'll give you, right? But the principle that Unless you're very intentional about what you're going, what you're learning, and very intentional about where you're growing and developing, then you know you, you're missing out in you know in, in so many, so many different ways. Just before COVID struck, I had a, I was giving a talk to four or five hundred leaders from around the world, lots of different sizes, different markets, you know, verticals, and all that, and um, I asked. I said, hey, who here, by a show of hands of all of these leaders, who does not have any blind spots, who has no leadership blind spots? Now, thankfully, you know, uh, good self-awareness. Nobody put their hands up. In other words, everybody recognized, you know, right. just have some leadership blind spots. Terrific, said I. If everybody could just take a moment and write down what they are, right? That is the thing. Nobody could do that because if they knew what they were, then they wouldn't be blind spots, but because mm-hmm. they're blind spots. Don't know what they are, QED, right? So, what we say is, look, let's be intentional about what we learn, how we're trying to develop. Let's try and grow. Normally, the areas that we need to grow, I'd like the majority of the time, are the areas that we don't want to (laughs) grow in, right? If you say to leaders, hey, what do you think, you, you know, where do you think your weaknesses might lie? they'll say something slightly puerile and slightly flaccid and just maybe I could in, you know, improve in here, maybe improve in there. Really what they're saying is, because we know, you know, Jim, and I know your, you know, your audience knows that the magic happens outside your comfort zone, right? So, right? so that there's no comfort in your growth zone and there's no growth in your comfort zone, right? So when we ask leaders whether you need help, they're going to say something that's, It's just kind of a little bit, you know, woolly. So we say, look, take an assessment. It doesn't have to be ours. Ours is tremendous. But take an assessment. Figure out where your blind spots are. Figure out where you need to grow, right, specifically in areas of people development, company development, self-development, strategy development, and leadership development. Figure those out. And now let's start recording those things. So this comes back to our journal. It comes back to every day. You need to say to yourself, you know, what would my report card look like today? Was every conversation, every interaction, every email, every suggestion, every coaching session, was I perfect? Well, no, of course not, right? So Mm -hmm. your daily leadership report card, if it's not an A plus every day, and it isn't, then that then forces you to go, okay, well, if it's not an A plus, it was probably an A minus or a B plus. That then. And that then kind of requires, well, then what could I have done more of or less of? What should I have said? What shouldn't I have said? Right? Looking back, how could I have done? And that that retrospective consideration of your own performance, these are the kinds of things that we write in our leadership journal. So people normally say, when we say start to journal, they say, well, I don't know what to write and how much to write and when do I write and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Well, we're going to just go to our website, pre
1: download. And just make an imperfect start. Just
2: start. Action bias.
1: We got about five minutes left. I want to talk to you about mindset. I was happy to see you address that in the book. Um, and you talk about how a lot of people tend to hold negative beliefs. Um, that will, as you and I know, if you hold negative thoughts, negative beliefs, you're going to attract negative results. So how can leaders overcome holding negative thoughts, such as maybe even imposter syndrome?
2: Yeah, for sure. Now, um, Depending on which piece of research you read, most people have something somewhere between 60 and 70,000 thoughts a day. Most of them, somewhere between 70 and 80 percent, are negative. Right? And we we kind of go into these doom loops and we think the same thing again and again and again and again. And it, you know, that's kind of how I get it. It's how our lizard brain has kept us safe for millions of years. I get that. Blueberries are good. We're not sure about red berries, leave the red boats, steer wide of the red berries, right? So there's a lot of you know research for why that might be. So how can we have how can we hope to have a positive life if it's filled with negative thoughts? So let's come back to beliefs, as you mentioned, Jim. Where the beliefs come from. We're not born with them like stamped on our DNA. We've learned them. We have learned these beliefs. Everything that you believe, everything that I believe, everything that everybody believes, we have learned. What is a belief? Well, a belief is just something that we hold to be true. It doesn't mean it's necessarily true. It's right. just something that we believe. I think it was Mark Twain that said, um, what really gets us into trouble, I'm paraphrasing, so I can't think of the exact word, but what really gets us into trouble are those things that we absolutely know to be true, which absolutely aren't, right? It's something like that, right? So, okay, here's the thing about beliefs. We've learned them, which means we can unlearn them. And it comes back to this recognizing what the problem is. So let's imagine, let's take it out of. Let's imagine we have a salesperson, right? I know, I know, we're short for time, but I'll just make it super quick. You may have some salespeople listening, right? Mm-hmm. If you, believe, if a, just write, you know, like north, south, east, and west. Write bear, B E A R. sorry, north, east, south, west. You know, like around the compass, like twelve o'clock, three o'clock, six o'clock, nine o'clock. Write bear, B E A R. So bear. B-E-A-R. So B is beliefs at 12 o'clock. If you believe, as a salesperson, if you believe that cold calling is rubbish, and cold calling is a waste of time, and if anybody cold calls you, you just slam down the phone and cold calling is rubbish. If you believe that cold calling is a waste of time, let's have a look at 3 o'clock, the E, what would you expect to happen, Jim, in the time, if your manager says, hey, I need you to make 20 cold calls a day? If you believe that cold calling is rubbish, what do you expect to happen? A waste of time, right? You expect- that's right.
1: You're not going to make them.
2: Your expectation is that's it's going to be a waste of time. So what are your actions like at, at, at the 6 o'clock now? What will your actions be? They'll be poor, right? They won't be fully committed. They won't be fully engaged. They'll be weak and half-hearted at best. So now we'll go to the 9 o'clock. So what will the results look like? The results will be terrible. So you expect called a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you believe something is terrible, you expect bad things to happen. So your actions are poor, the results are poor, and it just goes around and feeds back into your beliefs, right? And you just kind of go down this doom loop. Henry Ford said, if you think you can or you can't, you're right. So let's work on our beliefs. Where would we do that? We do that in our journal. Everybody has some self-limiting beliefs. Take an assessment. Talk to your wife, talk to your husband, they'll tell you, right? So start thinking about which beliefs are holding you back. So let's say imposter syndrome, for example. If you think, I'm not so sure about this, people won't take me credibly, guess what? You will be unsure. People won't take you credibly, right? So so we have to fix those self-limiting beliefs that are holding us back. So figure out what they are and then start journaling about just kind of start with act as if, right? What would... A leader that believed this way, how would they respond? How would they start to understand, get a picture of the leader that you want to be? And then let's make an
1: imperfect start. Let's start
2: moving in that direction.
1: That's awesome. Um, Antonio, how can people connect with you and learn more from you? Where do you want them to get your book? And I think you mentioned a free download at your website. So wrap all that up for us. <laughs>
2: yeah, there's loads of free downloads on our website, including you know, uh, you know know chapters and all that kind of stuff. And wherever you get your books, right? So Amazon, you know, paper, electronic, audio. I, I narrated it. I narrated this one. I didn't write, narrate my first two, but I'll do this one. I did this one and future ones. So just go to all the Ws mydailyleadership.com. so my daily leadership is just kind of behind me here so www.mydailyleadership.com loads of free resources on there but email me antonio at mydailyleadership.com i promise if you just say captain jim parker palmer or whatever um <laughs> one of my People will get it to me, and I will. Even at Thanksgiving, I'll get back to you. I promise within seventy-two hours. So, if you've got any questions, anything you want, just anything. Like, what did you mean when you said, "This is this is all I do for a living"? I-
1: that was great. I'm glad the um, I'm glad they uh, finally repaired the cable that the submarine broke on the on, from between here and France, so we could connect with each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Antonio. This was a, f- a fun interview. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Jim. See you, everybody. Hey, Happy, yeah. nice day. hey folks, See that you. wraps up this very special interview with Antonio Garrido. You can connect with him at MyDailyLeadership.com. You can connect with me at GetJimPalmer.com. And again, if you're interested in joining me and about 25 other very smart entrepreneurs in my Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, you can go to DreamBizCoaching.com, B I Z coaching.com this interview will be replaying on my youtube channel starting tomorrow that's always a good place to share it remember you can get free digital copies of all six of my dream business books at amazon as kindle They're nook books at barnes and noble they're also in the ibook store I also want to encourage you to get a free copy of my report, How to Create Multiple Streams of Revenue. This is by far my most popular ebook that I put out this year. It's exactly how I went from one business in 2003 to like seven in 2009. I think I'm down to three right now. But this is exactly how I went and created multiple revenue streams. It is the number one way you can get a a big healthy income is to have multiple streams of revenue. But that's it. Until this time next week, I am Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach to all the people in the state. Happy Thanksgiving. If you're hearing this on replay, I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care.